I think there's an understanding among marketers that you have to choose where you're going to focus from a goal perspective, but there's not always buy-in, especially at higher levels of an organization, to allow social teams to do that and to be okay with only being present on a few platforms instead of every platform. I think every social marketer this year in particular heard, you know, are we on TikTok? And so I think that's something that's really stuck out to us and that based on the index, we've tried to create more content around, which is helping empower social marketers to have conversations with marketing leadership or with the leadership teams of their businesses so that they can really be educators and kind of ambassadors for the power of social media and what it can do when you're strategic rather than feeling like they're kind of backed into a corner with needing to put everything on social and be everywhere all the time. Welcome to Wave Social Podcast powered by Arcade Studios. My name's Mike. I'm here with my co-host Mitzi, and we've curated a show for digital marketers, advertisers, and modern entrepreneurs who want to stop chasing the tide and start making waves online. Each episode, we'll sit down with the tastemakers and strategic minds behind some of the most engaged communities and up-and-coming brands. We'll pull back the curtain on their strategies and experiences to uncover the methodology behind their seismic impact. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Wave Social Podcast. Before we get into today's interview, I want to tell you about the Wave Social merch that we have live, and it's brand new. You can get it at wavesocialpodcast.com. There you'll find four different items. You can either get a cool sweatshirt, you can get a mask, because I know we're all wearing them, you can get a custom candle that we created just for you with a custom scent, Or you can get one of our fancy hotel slippers and we know you'll love it as you're working from home. But go check it out, wavesocialpodcast.com. Yeah, we decided to do that this year to just drop ads altogether and just do this as a little bit of an experiment. So whether or not you buy the product, that'll tell us whether or not we should have ads (laughs) next season. So it's up to you, fam. For this episode, we're just going to introduce our guest and share a little bit of what she has to offer before we get into the interview. This time we had Alicia Johnston from Sprout Social. She's their senior manager of content and communications. Sprout specifically enables brands and marketers to understand and reach their audience, engage their community, and of course, measure performance. Alicia is the driving force behind all the amazing content on the Sprout Insights blog, covering the latest trends guiding their data reports, and also has a keen eye for spotting emerging trends and what's going on online. So that's exactly what we talked with her about. She had some incredible things to add, not just on the practical side and what's coming for this year in social, but also on more of the feeling and softer touch side, which Mm -hmm. I thought was really important. Yeah, we get into so many things in this interview, but one of the things that I really loved that she talked about was customer service. And if anyone listening is in social media at all, customer service is likely a part of what you have to do on behalf of your brand or your client. A lot of us kind of get into this mode where we just respond to people's complaints. But what I loved about what she was saying is that she really believes in a three-pronged approach. And I'll let her kind of dive into what that means, but I think it's super valuable for people because all of us are buying more things online. Many of us are also going online to talk about our customer experience. So this is really great for anyone who's managing the customer service side of social media. Yeah. And she had a great perspective on how social media insights should really be a huge determining factor towards business objectives and decisions. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought that was so interesting. And it, it reminded me of a client that we work with, actually, that we've been getting more into social media data to specifically inform product design. Before we started using Sprout, we were just using things like Facebook and Pinterest and their native insights tools mm-hmm. to try and understand what the brand's audience was excited about, what sort of trends that they were jumping on, and then leveraging that information to actually design products. So mm-hmm. I think there's so much potential to data just depending on how we choose to use it. And mm-hmm. Alicia shares some great perspectives on that. Another thing we talked about quite a bit on this episode was mental health and the impact of our mental health, especially after we've finished such a tumultuous year. And as we come into a, you know another tumultuous year and social media managers listening, I'm sure you've felt the toll of that on your mental health. And we get into why it's important to have check-ins and all that. So I'm really excited to have that conversation. And I hope we continue having more conversations around that. Yeah, and just kind of give yourself permission to feel things Mm -hmm. and take time to recover from all the crazy things that are happening around us. So thank you, Alicia, for teeing up that conversation. It's going to be good. Mitzi, do you want to read a review before we get into the interview? Absolutely. This review is from AGYYC. The title is Content That Actually Helps. Wow, how fitting as this episode is all about content. The review is, I just found waves and I'm so excited to find that this is content that actually gives tangible advice feedback and steps. Keep going. Can't wait to follow along. Love Thank that. you so much. Yeah, that's so good. So for all of you that are listening, we appreciate you for tuning in, especially if you hit that subscribe button. But the thing that really takes it all the way for us is if you leave a review. If you've got even practical feedback about the show or topics you'd like us to cover or guests that you think would be great, slide into our DMs on Instagram. We'd love to hear that information and we pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. It actually informs our decisions for what we cover and who we talk to in future seasons. Absolutely. So without further ado, enjoy this episode and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. All right, we're back with another episode, and today we have Alicia Johnston from Sprout Social joining us. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. We're so excited to dive in, but before we get into your current role at Sprout, I'm wondering if you can take us back to the beginning. What was your career journey like, and how did you get to where you are now? Absolutely. So today, I lead the content team at Sprout Social, which is a social media software company based here in Chicago. I actually fell into marketing. I think many of us do that. But I started my career as an AmeriCorps volunteer, actually. So I thought throughout all of college that I wanted to go into nonprofit work and international development. So when I graduated, I took an AmeriCorps position, which is a volunteer national service program. And I was working with high school students. So I was doing tutoring, curriculum development, after-school programs for a college access program. And during that time, in a very 20-teens way, my coworker and I started a food blog to talk about what we were eating, what we were making on our very limited AmeriCorps budgets. So that was where I really learned how to do writing for the web. That's where I experimented with SEO and learned about how to use social both to create community and to promote my blog. So I started learning about that in my free time and parlayed that into a role staying with that nonprofit in marketing for about a year and a half. And then I was ready for a change and I was ready for a larger team where I could learn from other marketers and really get some mentorship and kind of take my career to that next level. So I joined Sprout about six years ago and I was in a marketing generalist role. So really it was a small company and I was doing a little bit of everything. So supporting the SEO team with blog posts, working on our PR efforts, working on employer brand, helping the social media team. 
And since then, I've held a number of roles managing our PR efforts, building out our internal communications program. And the thread of those was always content. So all of those roles, and I think you all are familiar with wearing many hats, there's always a storytelling component, and there's always some kind of content that can come out of that. So I was really happy in 2018 when I took a role where we formalized that, leading content and internal comms, and then today, making my way to just a sole focus on content marketing. And that's where I am today. So my team sets the strategy for all of our content work, and it's been quite the ride. That's awesome. I love that it started with the food blog. (laughs) It feels very classic 20 teens to me. Amazing. So can you explain for the listeners who might not know, what is Sprout and how does it support or how can it support social media marketers out there? Yeah, absolutely. So Sprout Social is a software that brands and agencies can use to manage every aspect of their social media presence. So that's everything from publishing and scheduling messages to engaging with your audience and providing customer support to reporting and analyzing on all of those efforts. And then we also offer tools that help people go deeper with their social media data. So providing sophisticated social listening that can be used to make whether it's marketing strategy, social strategy, or business strategy decisions, and really help leaders understand the role that social media has in moving their business forward. So we make that software, and then we partner with our customers to help them use it to execute their programs in a really successful way. That's awesome. I really want to just hang for a second on the business strategy part and how Sprout helps agencies and brands like ours use social to inform that broader business strategy. I think what really sold us was not just the ability around scheduling and content planning compared to other platforms, which we loved, but I think the big thing that did it for us was the social listening side of things and just its robust ability to understand what conversations are happening that these brands should be a part of and how can they also kind of take the insights that they're seeing and have those inform business decisions and marketing decisions. So can you explain a little bit more of that functionality or the capabilities of the social listening side of Sprout? Yes, definitely. And I'm so glad to hear that you all have found value in it. I have actually been using it more myself to inform our content. So it's been great to be deep in our own platform and seeing success with creating content based on those insights. So listening is really powerful because it gives you an aggregate view of all of the conversations on social that are going on around a specific topic. So There are a number of common use cases, but I think one would be just to track overall conversation about your brand and sentiment and how that's changing over time, the people who are influencing conversation about your brand, and then also to look into, at a more specific level, themes in those messages that can then be brought back to other teams within the company to inform your decisions. So I think a really tactical example is if you make, I don't know, if you're a coffee company, and you want to understand what people are saying about a new product launch, you can set that up as a topic within listening, or you can filter a topic you already have to understand what people like, what they don't like, the language they're using when they share it with their friends, and any problems that they're running into with your product. And all of those insights can be so helpful for either validating a hunch, you know, we launched this new product because we thought that our customers would love it, and they do, or perhaps they don't. (laughs) And there's a problem that we can tackle and a problem that we can fix which we learned about through listening on social media. You can also use it to keep an eye on what your competitors are doing and understand both you know, how they're trying to differentiate themselves 
as well as topics that are so common or maybe oversaturated in your industry that you want to stay away from them in order to differentiate your own brand. So it can kind of reveal that white space that you can use both from a messaging standpoint and in terms of where you'd like to grow or expand your business. And those are just a couple examples, but it can really be used in so many ways to answer the questions you have about your business or to help inform decisions that you're making. Yeah, that's incredibly valuable. And I think one of the things that I love that you didn't mention is that so many brands and marketers listening right now, they do a lot of influencer marketing, but the ones that do it right, there's so much more to selecting an influencer that fits a brand as opposed to just their following or even just their engagement rate. Like it's so much more about the type of content they're sharing, who their audience actually is and what they've already spent time building trust around. So this social listening platform really is so interesting in the sense that you can actually identify people online that are already talking about your brand or product that might not necessarily fit the mold of a typical influencer in the sense that they're already a creator or producing content consistently with the intent to partner with brands. But these are more people that are really engaged. They've already bought the product. They're already fans. And they're just looking for more touch points or more opportunities to be able to share it with their friends. And I think there's huge success to be had there. So we've been trying to take that lens or approach with some of the brands that we've been on the platform with to kind of get that next layer of micro or nano influencer. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think influencers in all the different shapes and sizes they come in are so critical right now, especially as we're all remote. We might not be able to produce creative work in the same way that we could 18 months ago. And so being able to work with influencers or just people who love your brand and partner with them to create content, both for their own profiles, you know, in an influencer format or that your brand can use in its own creative is a great opportunity. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. You mentioned that content marketing is part of your current role, but also that it's been a part of your previous roles and that storytelling has been woven through all of your roles. So from your perspective, why is content marketing so important to Sprout? And do you think that it should be an important part of everyone's marketing mindset? Yeah, I think content is for a software company like us or for a brand that exists so much in the digital space, content is the foundation of everything we do. And so for Sprout, Sprout's about, I think, 10 years old now, and it's been a huge part of our inbound marketing strategy since the beginning. So Sprout has always had a really active blog, and it's been a way that new customers find us and that we teach them about our product and then show them how they can use it to have their own success with social. So That part of it is great, and that's the content strategy piece that my team leads. But what I think is so important about Sprout and key for really any brand that wants to have success with content marketing is cultivating a culture of content on the marketing team or even within the business as a whole. So, you know, while my team publishes a lot of what we do on Sprout Insights, you know, which is our blog, there are teams across the marketing organization that are creating content. 
So our customer marketing team creates webinars and they create takeaways specifically for our customers. The demand generation team is creating content. The sales team uses social listening like we talked about to look into current events and to pull specific pieces of data that they can share to kind of show their own expertise and interest in the social media space. And really, it's all of those efforts together that kind of open the door to new audiences and help build our brand. So content can play a role in brand awareness efforts. It can play a role in our customer acquisition, as well as loyalty and growth. And I really think for any brand that is trying to grow and is trying to reach more people and really put their stake in the ground, it's important to be putting content out there that helps people understand what they can do with your products or service and what that could mean for them. That's such a huge takeaway. And I think it kind of parallels some other conversations that we've had on the show in the past with other guests in the sense that content shouldn't just have the sole purpose of generating sales. You know, like there's really so much more that it can do, whether it's internal, kind of like building that culture. And I love what you said about culture of content. That's really cool. But also even just being willing as a brand to produce content just to add value to your audience. And without necessarily as much expectation of getting that conversion result or something like that, but just to be making a positive impact or moving things forward in the industry that you're in. Yeah. And so for your customers, who I assume are larger brands or agencies that manage social media platforms on behalf of a client, when you look at the content landscape that you're working in, you mentioned there's so many avenues. You can blog, there's webinars, like you mentioned, there's also video and a million other types of content types and avenues that exist out there. And I was wondering if you could maybe give us some insights or tips for some of the smaller businesses that might be listening. And because there's so many options out there and so many ways that you can produce content, what have you found works best in terms of building awareness or adding value? Is it the blog or is it other types of content? It really depends on what you want the content to do for you. So with the focus that you talked about with brand awareness, I think there are a couple things. One is being consistent. I believe in the power of a blog. As you know, that's my origin story. <laughs> but you know, just having a blog where you're consistently putting out new information and new educational content, and that can be short. It doesn't have to be a 1,500-word whopper or like a fresh data report every single time. But I think having a place where you're consistently talking to people is really important. So a blog, I think, is a great cornerstone. But then from a brand awareness standpoint, some of the content that's worked really well for us and that I've seen other smaller brands have success with is starting with data. So we produce a report every year called the Sprout Social Index. And it's been going, I think it's been going since 2013. And it started as a much shorter piece where we did just a 10-question survey And we always had a theme about something in the social media space. And then we asked 10 questions to consumers to get their thoughts on how they felt about, for example, customer service on social media, or how they felt about entertainment brands and following them on social media. And then we took the data from that and turned it into a report. And that was a piece of content that could work really hard for us across our blog, across social. It could be repurposed into videos and different assets. And it was also a great cornerstone for our public relations program and really gave our team something to pitch to media that could be really interesting and help that content turn into media opportunities, which just increase reach. And I think that's something you can really do with whatever data your company has, whether that's internal data, whether it's a consumer survey or even polls that you run on social if you have a large enough audience. 
having proprietary data can be a really, really valuable asset for your content to go far. I love that tip because it starts with something that has so many different touch points and then it expands to have such a bigger reach and a life cycle. So I actually read through the last social index that you shared and it was so great. And I think that's such a great strategy that anyone can adopt. Could you speak to some of the highlights from the most recent one? What do you see coming into 2021 from all of that data and the exercise of analyzing it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the index, (laughs) it's gone from that 10 question survey to become quite a thorough piece of content. I think it's about 50 pages now. We now survey both consumers and marketers. And I think that's been really valuable to see the parallels and the discrepancies in their points of view. And the trends that we've been seeing just escalate are the expectations for customer service through social media. And so I think, you know, even if you don't work in customer service or customer support as a marketer, you have to understand your role in creating a customer experience and what you can do from a marketing perspective to provide great customer service and great customer support, and then work in partnership with those teams to deliver it as well. On the marketer side, I think a lot of what we've seen is, you know, there are so many platforms and so many content types now, and it can really be overwhelming. So especially if you're a small team and you're trying to do a lot. So I think there's an understanding among marketers that you have to choose where you're going to focus from a goal perspective, but there's not always buy-in, especially at higher levels of an organization to allow social teams to do that and to be okay with only being present on a few platforms instead of every platform. I think every social marketer this year in particular heard, you know, are we on TikTok? And so I think that's something that's really stuck out to us and that based on the index, we've tried to create more content around, which is helping empower social marketers to have conversations with marketing leadership or with the leadership teams of their businesses so that they can really be educators and kind of ambassadors for the power of social media and what it can do when you're strategic rather than feeling like they're kind of backed into a corner with needing to put everything on social and be everywhere all the time. Yeah. So this is a bit of a tangent, but we've had some internal discussions about this a lot. Do you think that brands should be on TikTok right now? Like, what's your opinion? And it's okay if you don't have an opinion on it because every brand is different. But I'm just curious if you've seen anything on your side of things or any trends that you've been looking at that could speak to that. Yeah. So we've had the same conversation internally about TikTok. And what I learned from our social team, so I'm just going to amplify their perspective because they're much more well-versed in TikTok than I am, is that every brand doesn't need to be present and publishing on TikTok, but every brand needs to be following TikTok and informed about the trends that are coming from it. So you don't have to have a presence on TikTok to understand when something like the Ocean Spray Challenge takes off or to understand Well, you might not understand, but to see that people love watching videos of people moving beehives or cutting down trees as part of their job. And I think as a brand, there's so much inspiration to be had from watching the way that things just take off and absolutely explode through TikTok and how successful the platform has been in giving people exactly what they want. And so I think that's kind of like how you need to be on TikTok in 2021. You don't have to have your own presence if you don't think it's going to serve your brand's goals, but you can use it as a way of informing what you are doing on social and what you're doing in your marketing. 
So I want to go back to that discussion about customer service on social media, because it's more important now than ever. People are buying more online than they have ever before. And then they're going to social media to talk about their customer service experience or a poor experience. So how does a poor customer service experience impact social media as a brand? If you're a podcast host or someone wanting to be interviewed on podcasts as a guest, visit podmatch.com. Podmatch automatically connects ideal podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. We always say it works just like a dating app, but instead of connecting you for dates, it connects you for podcast interviews. Podmatch has connected over 85,000 guests and hosts together for interviews that listeners love, all while saving you countless hours of administrative work through built-in automations. If you're ready to level up your podcast interviews on either side of the mic, start today by visiting podmatch.com. I think a poor customer experience is so much more unfortunate now than maybe it used to be because it can spread so quickly and it can color not just one person's opinion of your brand, but everyone who follows them and anyone who happens to see those public messages on social. I think brands really need to be aware of approaching customer service from kind of a three-pronged approach. So preemptive, reactive, and proactive. And with uh, preemptive, I feel like that's a lot of what we saw a need for in 2020. So thinking about our businesses had to change their hours, they had to close, they had to reopen, they had to implement new safety policies, and customers were really scared. You know, I mean, we're all just people, <laughs> and people were really scared about, can I go to the grocery store? Can I go to the pharmacy? What should I be doing? Do I have to wear a mask? Everyone should wear a mask. But <laughs> they had a lot of questions like that, and I think... Sometimes when people have questions like that and they're not being answered, they just won't come to your business. So preemptive customer service, I think, needs to be more of the domain of marketing, which is messaging around things like your opening hours, any service outages if you're a software program or utility, making sure people know in advance how they can connect with you, how they can shop with you or reach you. And then proactive is really creating content about FAQs and trends that you're seeing on social and then making that part of your content strategy. So answering people's questions before they even arise. And then reactive is sort of that classic piece. So responding to exactly what your customers reach out with and what they need. And we've seen in our Sprout Social Index that poor customer service is the number one reason people will unfollow a brand. So if you're not responding to their messages or if you're using a template that doesn't make sense for what they've asked you about, you know, that's a huge turnoff as a customer. They just want to have a conversation with you like any person would. And so knowing that the majority of people are more likely to buy from a brand they follow as well, it's a huge issue if your customer service is turning people off and making them unfollow you on social. Yeah, that is so key. And I'm so glad that you walked through those different pillars because I feel like a lot of social media marketers focus on that last one where it's like a complaint comes in and then they have a canned response on how to deal with it, but they don't do that step before that, which is the proactive step. And I love it. And how do you think social media marketers can be better at social listening and engaging with customers? Like you walk through those three tiers, but is there anything else that social marketers can do better? I think engaging starts with just being present and also being willing to like really hear what your customers are saying. So if someone reaches out and doesn't have a great tone or they're kind of trying to take your brand to task, 
sometimes they're trolling and you need to let it go, but sometimes they have a really valid concern or complaint or piece of feedback that you could actually feed back into the business like we talked about to improve something for other customers who aren't reaching out to you. And so I think first is just being present, responding to people, listening to them, asking questions. And then I think the other piece is looking at your data and really understanding that digging really deeply into your social data isn't something for just analytical folks. It's something that's really important for tracking any of your engagement efforts. It's important for tracking the performance of your content or of your creative work and understanding what content gets the most engagement from your audience or performs really well in different dimensions is so important to giving your customers more of what they want. And when you do that, you know, you're building sort of this cyclical loyalty where your customers and what they want feeds into the content you create and the customer experience that you're delivering. And then you're just improving and improving and feeding that back. So I think really data is extremely important as well as just being present and listening. Yeah, I think that's so important. Just the idea of actually hearing what your customer is saying and not just the tone that they're saying it in. And the more brands that learn that lesson, the better. That kind of relates to customer service. But I'd love to also just pivot a little bit towards crisis comms because of the year that we just came out of. And so far, the year that we're in now, there were a few major moments in 2020 where social managers or brands made decisions on whether to stay silent or not or to speak up. What would you say is the difference between going dark when it comes to more of like crisis moments versus being strategically silent on social media? Yeah, I think that going dark is never ideal because typically what that means is that your brand hasn't said anything and just disappears and you aren't putting any information out there, but you're also not responding to any of the questions or inbound requests you're getting. So I think, for example, in 2020, there was at least one brand in June that said, we're going to spend the next week amplifying Black voices, but then they disappeared and they didn't say anything and they didn't explain that. And that's a really unfortunate thing. It's completely understandable that a business would need some time during a crisis like COVID or like George Floyd's murder and the ensuing protests to regroup and to say, okay, what's our response as a brand? What's our role in this conversation? And how do we best respond and provide our audience with what they need? But you have to let them know. And so I think being strategically silent is when you make an intentional choice that you're going to pause your content because there's something more important out there that your audience is trying to listen to. And that might start with, instead of just going silent, sharing a formal statement from your company or from your leadership team, just to say how you're responding to what's going on. And from there, you know, you can take some time to just listen and to read the room and to have those internal conversations that are really important. It lets you and it lets your audience focus on what's most relevant in that moment. I think that makes a lot of sense as far as like when to be quiet and how to do it properly. I'd also love to hear your perspective more so on if as a brand or as a business, you feel that it's important for you to be part of the conversation and what that looks like and how you can do that right. Do you have some examples that come to mind, maybe from last year of brands that participated in the conversation and did a good job and the result was positive? I think starting with curiosity is important. So especially in a conversation, like if we're talking about racial justice or racial injustice, starting with some questions like, what's our brand's history on this topic? Has our brand covered this before externally? Does our brand have regular conversations internally and practices in place? 
as a company where we address this topic with our own team, kind of like looking internally and thinking about your organization and how you behave and how you operate as a whole. That's a really good starting point that can then direct how you might provide resources externally or engage in the conversation publicly. So I think a great example of this is Ben and Jerry's. And they're a good example because they have such a strong track record. I don't remember the title, but I believe they have essentially a chief advocacy officer and a whole team that's dedicated to social advocacy. And you know they have all the credibility in the world because of those efforts to take a strong stand, to share resources, to engage with their customers and share ways that they can get involved in dialogue or in political petitions or things like that. That's probably not going to be right for many, many brands. So I think it kind of starts with looking inside and looking at what your brand has taken a stand on in the past, what actions you've taken or what actions you've committed to. And then making sure that what you're sharing externally is adding to the conversation and is really centered on your audience. You know, you're not joining because you think our brand has to join this conversation. You're joining because you think our brand has something to say that our audience needs to hear. And I think that's kind of the difference in terms of a brand joining the conversation where maybe it doesn't end up feeling as relevant to their community versus a brand joining the conversation and being really effective in creating space for dialogue or providing resources or helping educate their audience about a difficult topic. Yeah. And I think if we as marketers can have permission to just stop and think, do we have something important to say to this conversation? Then I think we're all going to be much better off. And if we also give ourselves permission to say, no, we don't have something to add to this conversation. And having those internal prompts, like you mentioned, are so important. And we need to constantly be asking ourselves, can we do better in this arena? Ben and Jerry's is such a great example of that. We've mentioned them on the show before because we just love what they did last year and the work that they did. And we loved how blunt and open they were about it. And it was amazing. And we've also talked in the show too that you need to have the track record and the history that has to happen much earlier than the crisis does. So if that's something that you're not doing right now, if you're not working on that history, then that should be the call to action from this episode that you need to do that now with your team. And I also want to address the listeners that might not have a team to do that with. Do you have any advice that you can offer to the freelancers or the solopreneurs who might have their own business and they're having those moments where they're stopping and asking themselves if they need to be a part of those conversations? What steps should they be taking if they don't have a team to turn to? I think that's really important because it can be really challenging when you are the face of your own business. And I think it's extra vulnerable to put yourself out there in those situations, but especially actually with smaller businesses. So a one-man show or a very small team, I think you have so much more leeway to join the conversation in the way that feels exactly right to you because you're the one who can make those decisions. And Some of the other trends we've seen on social over the years are that people want transparency from the brands they follow and people want transparency from the people they look up to on social. So I think people are willing to be along for the ride. And you can say, this is a topic I need to educate myself on more. And here's how I'm doing that. Or here's a resource that I found that was really helpful for me and challenged my perspective. I think that's really valuable. And then if you're in the freelance space and you're working with clients who are kind of grappling with this, 
you, you know, you might not be asked to join that conversation with the team every time, but I do think that bringing them some information, like here's what I'm seeing on social, or I'm seeing that this conversation is coming up and here's a question for you all, or here's a prompt that I think we could consider to address it, I think could be a a value add in terms of showing that you're plugged into the conversation and you have ideas for how your clients could address what's going on. Yeah, definitely a value add. And like we've talked about this before, how it's an opportunity to be a leader with your clients. And so for any of the freelancers who are listening or anyone who's being a support to another business, if they're on their own, they should definitely not be afraid to have those conversations, even if they don't have all the answers. I'm curious to go a little broader too. Like I think the dialogue around issues like Black Lives Matter and COVID-19 are important to talk about. But I also like to know, again, going back to the insights that you gained from Sprout customers and users of the platform and the exercise of this index that you go through annually, what are some broader learnings outside of just crisis comms and those more sensitive topics that we can take away for 2021? Just as social media marketers or people that are being part of conversations as brands online. I think one of the top learnings from 2020 is that the social media manager or the social media expert or team needs to be a critical player in business decision-making. Because in 2020, the people who heard everything that your audience was going through were the ones on social. And they were the ones who had the best read on the conversation and the tone of what was going on and a sense of what customers were asking or what people wanted to hear from your brand. And if that information isn't coming back to people inside an organization who can act on it, it seems like a huge lost opportunity. So I would say that's one thing. I also think just candidly, and this is less on the strategy side, but this field of social media and digital marketing needs to have some difficult conversations about mental health and working in the social media space through a pandemic and through all of the events of 2020. I think it's really common that social media managers are stretched pretty thin and are are wearing many hats, juggling a lot of priorities, and it can lead to burnout even in the best of times. So that was one thing that we heard from a lot of people in social media in 2020 was just how challenging it is. And so I think being willing to have some hard conversations with your manager, your clients, your team members, and to figure out how to navigate that together so that social media can be this field that brings immense value to business but it can also help create leaders who have the space and the strength to do that kind of work that can move businesses forward. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's a conversation that we haven't really had among each other in the industry. We haven't really stopped and asked each other, how are you doing? How are you getting through this crazy year? Because so many of us have had to wear that crisis comms hat and then also do the heavy lifting of supporting business objectives and then also communicating marketing messages and then also getting a vibe check on what's going on in the world and how best we can not only communicate business priorities, but also do it in a way that, you know, works with the algorithm and is engaging and all these other things. So it's definitely not an easy thing to do. And it's not an easy task. And like you said, even a emotionally and mentally juggling all these things that are happening in the world, it's so exhausting. And oftentimes social media agency for us, when it is a heavy day, just like a heavy day in the world, and we don't have the luxury of turning off or tuning out, we need to do those check-ins with our teams and ask them, how are you doing mentally, physically, all those things? Is there any advice or tips that you can offer 
to our listeners on how to navigate that burden, either things that you've learned with your teams or things that you've seen outside of your team? How are people having these mental health conversations and check-ins? It's been interesting to see the marketing Twitter, if you follow those conversations, to see what people are saying about having these conversations within their organizations. I think it really helps to to kind of take a two-pronged approach where, one, you can talk about it on the personal side. This is how what's going on is affecting me as a person. And these are some of the areas within my role or within what I have to deliver here that are influenced by this. And then I think the other side is showing like the business impact of not addressing it. So if you have employees who are really stressed out and they're burnt out, even though we accept that 2020 was a really challenging year for everyone and probably no one's coming out of it feeling great, if you have people in a role and they're just burning out, your business is going to suffer from a retention standpoint or you're going to have really talented people leaving the field. If you're feeling burnout personally, do what you need to do as an individual. And it can't be said enough. These are not revolutionary tips, but take your PTO, find time to step away and find time to close all of your screens and just do something that makes you happy for no reason, (laughs) even if it's just silly and relaxing and fun. I think if you're a manager, those check-ins that you described are perfect. And that's exactly what managers and leaders should be doing with their teams anytime, but especially when you know what a challenging year it's been for everyone. And I think also it's important as a leader to be transparent when you're struggling too. And I think Brene Brown has some good stuff to say about vulnerability versus disclosure. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're coming in and telling your team every single one of the challenges you're personally facing or opening the door to absolutely everything that's going on in your personal life. But it is more being vulnerable and saying, I'm really struggling this week and this feels really heavy. And I wanted to share that with you. In case anyone's feeling the same way, I wanted to let you know that it's okay to talk about it or it's okay to not talk about it. But if you're struggling, here's how you can come to me and I can help you and support you from a work perspective. I love that. That spoke to my soul. So thank you for that. So good. I feel like over Christmas, we really got to just to like the PTO side of things and being able to actually shut off. Christmas was so weird for everyone here, but for us, we were able to take at least a week off and just kind of be quiet and not really interact with people as much and just take time to really enjoy and have space to learn and have our own micro conversations and get those vibe checks with each other and stuff like that. And we came out of that much more refreshed. And I think it allowed us too to like set up this year a lot better and be prepared knowing that it's going to be higher stress than previous years and also not knowing if there's going to be more of those heavy days and also more times of crisis just because that's the nature of the world we're in now. But thank you for speaking to that. I think it's a good reminder, especially for the freelancers and solopreneurs that don't have a team to fall back on. You still need to find a way to get that space and peace and quiet just to recover. Yeah, that's such an important self-care thing to do as someone who's working in this industry. And we've talked about how difficult this year has been. And I kind of feel like there have been two main themes that have come out of this year, out of these social conversations. And to me, they were empathy and diversity. And we've already kind of touched on the diversity point. But how do you see these two themes evolving and growing as we dive into 2021? I guess with both of them, with empathy in particular, when it comes to both diversity and empathy, I think a lot of brands made commitments and statements last year. And in 2021, it's time for action. One of the things that we saw in actually a small survey we did over the summer is that 
consumers really want to hear from brands on what they're doing when it comes to commitments they've made to their team or from a political taking a stand perspective. And so I think with both diversity and with empathy, actually kind of increasing your transparency on social and sharing more about the behind the scenes of what your team is doing is a really good opportunity for businesses to make a stronger connection uh, with their audiences. And I, I know I am a broken record on data, but I think you can also be really empathetic by making the best use of your data. It doesn't sound like the intuition that I think we all immediately go to when it comes to being empathetic, but being able to look at the data around your content and, for example, do things like test your tone on social or test different ways of writing or visualizing concepts that are important to your audience and see how they perform differently and see what people respond to. I mean, that's a way to put empathy into action in a really strategic way. I love that. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Can you just walk us through what that looks like from a practical perspective? How do you actually execute on that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think you probably have a set brand voice and a general tone you use, but I think this is a great place to hypothesize and say, you know, does our audience want us to be authoritative? Do they want us to be inviting? Do they want us to be silly? Do they want us to be, you know, hip to pop culture? Whatever it is, you can test that. So, for example, one of the things we did at Sprout quite a while ago was testing a question versus a factual statement versus a more conversational statement. And so taking the same piece of content, but promoting it with copy that reflected those different approaches. To be honest, this was, I think, five years ago, and I don't remember the results of the test, but that's the kind of thing that you can do to learn about if your audience wants you to ask them more questions, and that's something that's more likely to make them engage, or if they want you to be sharing facts and to be sharing data points and to be more straightforward. Or if they really appreciate it when, you know, you decide to stop capitalizing anything and just speak in like a really informal way, the way that a regular person might on social. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, we're going to take that away for sure. I love it. And I think that's really important when we talk about COVID, especially because there's so many ways we can talk about it. And obviously, every brand should position that conversation differently and approach it differently. But one of the tools that we like to use in Sprout is that social listening tools that we've already talked about a little bit. But there's actually a COVID category, which I find so fascinating when I get in there, because obviously, everyone's talking about COVID. And there's so many different perspectives that you can watch and see how people are talking about it. And the tone has changed so much over this past year. So it's a great tool to use to see how people talk about it and also helps inform what tone we should use to adapt our approach. Yeah. And I think that goes into reading the room and the importance of always having a pulse on how your audience is feeling, especially with something like COVID where it wasn't just a couple weeks. It's this ongoing story that's become our lives and knowing how people are feeling over the course of this. I think first people were really afraid then there have been different periods, especially based on you know where you're located, where people might have felt angry or they might have been just really stressed out. And then there are also moments of hope and moments where you see people take a more positive tone or you see more positive sentiment as good news about a vaccine rolls out or things like that. And knowing how to respond to the emotions of your audience is a really important part of empathy as well. 
Definitely. Yeah, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about content planning because I think you've come up with a checklist for how to kick off your content strategy. And I think this will be really valuable for any of the marketers who are listening and might not feel like they have the best approach or that maybe they need a fresh pair of eyes on their content. So could you give us a few tips or things we should be thinking about before approaching content planning for Q2? Definitely. With content planning, I think especially if you're not quite sure what to publish or you're starting from scratch or you're ready to take kind of a fresh approach, I think it's important to ask what the most interesting things about your brand are. What are the things that stand out and that are different that others in your industry maybe couldn't speak to or wouldn't speak to in the same way? And often for us, when we start with content planning at Sprout, We'll get a small group together across disciplines, so content, SEO, social, maybe PR, and we'll kind of just bounce some ideas around of what are the themes that we're seeing come up? What are we focusing on from a strategy perspective in terms of product launches or upcoming announcements? And how can we distill maybe four or five thematic buckets from that? And once we have those buckets, then it's like all, you know, off to the races and just come up with as many ideas as possible. And I think making the space to have those kind of really open brainstorms and even step away from your computer. I'm a fan of giant post-it notes. And that's been, as I miss the whiteboards in our office, I'll just sit down with literally a giant post-it note and start scribbling ideas all over it that fit into a category that I know is a priority for our brand. I think once you've got that big list of ideas, then it's time to cut down and think what's going to be most interesting and to start getting into the types of content that you have the resources to produce, as well as the interest or the skill to produce and that you think would do really well with your audience. You can bring data to all of the different stages of that. But for me, I like to kind of marry the two and have an eye on data while going through the creative brainstorming process and then sort of validate the content plan at the end using performance data again. Cool. And when it comes to data, do you mean like what has performed best historically or do you mean a different kind of data? Yeah, like what's performed best historically or even if you want to try something new and different, what you have a hunch might do well this time around. So that would be more an open question rather than bringing previous data. Gotcha. First, I love the idea of the post-it notes. I think especially right now, because we're all just spending so much time like clenched behind our computers, the idea of taking things away and getting a little bit more tactile, like things that you could feel with your hands, you know, and just being creative in that way, it might be really refreshing. (laughs) But also just speaking of like content planning and then also measuring performance and things like that. One thing I really wanted to make sure we asked while we had you because you're an expert in it is more around the social or like health of social accounts. Like I know historically brands have really measured health or success based on engagement, engagement versus impressions. And really that's how you get that engagement rate. But would you say like coming into this new year as algorithms evolve and audience behavior changes, is that still the best way to measure the health of the content you're sharing and the engagement level of your audience? Or are there other metrics that we should be looking at as marketers to really get that proper pulse? I'm really partial to engagement because I think it is such a great validation of how your audience is reacting to what you're putting out there. 
I think with a goal of brand awareness, taking a look at impressions is also really important and making sure that you're also prioritizing the content that has the farthest reach or the topics that you typically see having the farthest reach. And then if you are looking more at customer service and you're trying to deliver more effectively in those areas, looking at some of the nitty grittier metrics coming down from engagement, but into things like first response time. So how long it's taking you to get back to someone's message when they reach out to your brand or I think really anything in the customer service realm to make sure that you're delivering what people are looking for. That's great. Yeah, I think engagement definitely still matters for sure. And I love that idea of just coming back to your customer service and response times and things like that. That's that's really good. Yeah, totally. So one question we always like to ask all of our guests on the show is what brands are making waves online right now and why? So I have to go with one of my personal favorites, Jenny's Ice Cream. <laughs> are you all familiar with them? No. no, but I need to look it up. Please do. I hope you'll be very delighted. <laughs> but Jenny's is, I guess they would call themselves an artisan ice cream company. So they really focus on sourcing from family farms, small producers, etc. And there's a story behind every ingredient that goes into every flavor they create. But their social presence is phenomenal. And they've somehow cracked the code of how to blend this beautiful, polished, stunning creative with memes and UGC and screenshots in a way that makes them feel both inspiring and really conversational and inviting and approachable. Their main account is fantastic to follow. But I also think what really stands out about them is their CEO's activity, or actually, I don't think her title is CEO, but I believe Jenny Britton Bauer, who's the namesake for the brand, is the chief creative officer. And she has her own social presence that's also so active. It really shares more of the creative process and the behind the scenes, both of her life and like just her love for food, but also what goes into creating and testing new ice cream flavors. So I'm a huge fan, obviously. So I love to feel like I'm getting that behind the scenes, but they've really done a phenomenal job on social this year. And recently they did a White House themed flavor. And that just took off and it sold out immediately because people were so excited on social and so excited to see it that they were immediately ordering it and selling it out. They did the same thing with an everything bagel flavor. Sounds a bit weird, but (laughs) they're very inventive and they're inventive in their products, but that really comes through on social as well. I love that. Yeah. You don't have to convince me. Sounds good. We'll add them to the show notes and then we might even have to track them down and get them on the podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, you should. And their social media team is just fantastic. And I think that might be less for like the average consumer. But for me, as someone who's a marketer and kind of a social media wonk, I love to see what their social team members post just as individuals and feel like I have an even more behind the scenes look at the strategy that goes into the marketing of this brand that I admire. Totally. That's what we love to do at this podcast. Yeah. So last question. Tell us what you're currently working on and where listeners can connect with you. So this year, we are really focused on continuing to track what's going on and respond in real time with the content we're creating for social marketers and social professionals. So we're hoping to develop more resources to help marketers better connect with their customers. And also, like we talked about, to really bring more of their data more deeply into their organizations and to how they plan strategically. So that means we're working on more data pieces, more educational resources and templates like that jumpstart your content checklist you mentioned, and also just highlighting examples of brands that are doing a fantastic job through all the tumult we've seen over the past year. Love it. And where can listeners connect with you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Alicia B. Johnston, and you can also follow Sprout at Sprout Social to see more of our content. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Alicia, for being on the show. This was so valuable, and I think our listeners are going to love it. Thanks so much for having me. It was great speaking with both of you, and I'm leaving feeling really inspired and excited for the year ahead. Awesome. We'll talk again soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. This episode of Wave Social Podcast is powered by Arcade Studios. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at wavesocialpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you've got questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, hit us up at Wave Social on Instagram. Thanks for joining us.